All right, second service. Show me that you're awake. Come on, give me some noise. There we go. See, that's so much better. You guys are learning. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for being here at Life Point Church for Man Month. My name is Andrew Garcia, and I'm one of the pastors here. And Man Month is probably one of the best times for you to be here, just in general. We do ridiculous things like Quishon, and that's pretty much it, but that's probably really funny. Uh, now you know how to stay completely hygiene correct, politically correct. All right, so here's the beautiful thing about Man Month is we kind of celebrate and explore biblical manhood during this series. And the cool thing is it doesn't really matter if you're a Christian or not, what your background is. The things that we talk about are so practical, so useful, so helpful that you're just going to feel like you're in a manly counseling session and you're going to be okay with it. And our hope today is that you kind of just walk out of here with a new perspective, seeing how God wants you to succeed at manhood as much as you do. So today what we're doing is we're just going to continue the conversation uh, on the teaching of the power of our mouths. And today we're specifically going to be honing in on our words. And Pastor Danny talked about last week how our words can shape our world, you know, and, and he, he kind of started with a couple different verses, but our foundational verse he used was Proverbs 21, verse 23. And this is by a famous and wise man named King Solomon. And this is what he had said. Those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. So he started with this verse and he led to this main point that your life is going to move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And this was so important because Pastor Denise set up the, us up to see that it's our inner man and our inner thoughts that direct our lives. And so today we're just gonna continue that conversation. So thank you so much. So there's, a, there's something I want you to know about the tongue. The tongue's kind of a funny thing. Uh, the, the average tongue is about 10 centimeters, okay? So it's not very big. Um, but with that, women you speak about you know, 20,000 words and men speak about 7,000 words. And I just choose to believe that men just use their words more wisely. I'm just kidding, just kidding. My wife's not here, so I can get away with a little more than normal. Um, the, the average tongue weighs about 70 grams. So this is about half the size of like an apple. Okay, and, and kind of the crazy thing here is when you got in trouble, you know, probably the first thing that your mom did was helped you experience the delight found in soap suds, right? Like the idea that holiness is next to cleanliness. And so she literally took your tongue to town. And, you know, and, and, and it was kind of funny because I never knew that, you know, as a kid, the delight that could be found in all the varieties of different soaps, like they could be so different and, you know, taste the same. Um, but my mom helped me with that. So your tongue gets you in trouble. So it's, you know, it helps you, you know, snag the little hottie that's next to you. Or if you don't have a hottie, it's because your tongue helped you lose her. Uh, you know, it's, it's helped you kind of slip through trouble you know, or find yourself so deep in trouble that you wish you could just disappear. Tongues have waged war. They've created barriers, cursed families. You know, tongues have, you know, set up governments, nations, cultures. All that to say that whether the change was good or bad, our tongues played a huge role in that. And so today I want to start with a verse to kind of set us up. And it's in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. And this is what it says. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So another version says this. Words kill, 
words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. So today we're going to be really just honing in on our words and the death that we can speak through them. And we're going to look at kind of why we speak them and then what we need to do about it. And so today is kind of more of like a little serious setting. So I'm going to do my best to make you laugh a little bit. And then just, you know, you're, there's so much that you can get out of this if we just kind of focus in today. So the first thing we're going to do is I'm a student pastor, so I like a little bit of engagement. Okay. So go ahead and look at your neighbor. And if you don't have a neighbor, just speak it to yourself, right? Look at your neighbor and just tell him you look smoking today. Now, now tell them, if you love them, you know, I love you. Or maybe now's your opportunity to express your undying love for someone. I'm just kidding. All right. Now, now you kind of felt that, right? The atmosphere kind of changed. There was a little bit of excitement and, and some energy there. So we know that words can give life. Now, now let's go ahead and look at how words bring death. Now, I'm not asking you to say this to anybody, even though you might want to. But the first one that I want to say is, I hate you. You don't have to say it. It's okay. Somebody was like, I really want to say that one. Now, now, now let's try this one. You're a disappointment. It's over. Everybody wants to repeat it now. You don't have to say anything. Now, here's the last one, though. And just for a second, without saying anything, just feel the weight of the words as they're spoken. I want a divorce. Now, see, here's the interesting thing. Just saying the words without actually placing them on somebody, you can feel the weight of it against your soul, can't you? And intuitively, we all know this. And the crazy thing is that when we look at the Bible, Jesus already had this insight before we could kind of grow up and put it into words. And he talks about the human condition. And let's look at what he says in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. He says, The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of the evil of his heart, of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. In other words, the words that we say with our big fat mouth is a reflection of what's inside us. Right? And we know this is true. We know that our heart is where our desires are born. And it's those, and it's when those desires consume us that our thoughts are overcome and our words begin to sell us out. Now, how many of you have ever kind of just like blurted something out, like in a moment of passion, we'll say, right? Like you, you were just overcome by the emotion of it. And so you, you spoke something and no matter the words, how nice or how mean, it was a moment of overflow. The overflow of your heart, your feelings, the inner man came out. And so what we find is our heart desires, our desires become thoughts, and our thoughts become our words. Okay, and so if the heart is the well of life for our life, then what we need to realize is that the words of death that we speak are a reflection of the abundance of brokenness that's within us. So the lack of what you feel you have Okay, and then the words that you speak are going to be life-taking instead of life-giving. And here's, here's kind of a truth that I think we all wrestle with, that as men, 
we don't intend to speak death. That as men, we, we want to speak life. And I believe that most men are good men. I don't believe there's just a bunch of evil men out there in the world trying to conquer everything, right? Like we can do that through video games nowadays. We're okay. But, but we sin, we make bad decisions because we have this legitimate need and we look for it in illegitimate ways. We have this pure desire, but an evil expression of it. And what we're looking at today is that the root of it is self-interest, and that's what drives us, that the pain that we experience is a lack of what we don't have, that I'm not getting what I want and what I feel that I deserve. And so the chances are that if you're speaking hurtful things out of your big fat mouth, it's because on the inside you're hurting. It's because on the inside there's a little bit of brokenness in there. So today what, we, what I want to do is I just want to dig into a, a gospel, and it's going to be the gospel, of, or it's going to be James. And James was one of the brothers of Jesus, and James had a lot to say on this topic, and he's going to unpack it for us. And I just want us to take a look at it. We're going to start with James chapter 4, verse 1. And it says, what leads to the unending quarrels and conflicts among you? So our first response, right, especially if you're married, is always like, it's my spouse, like it's my significant other. Right? And some of you are gonna be like, no, nah, bro, I got a long list. Like I know exactly what is causing the conflicts and quarrels among us. But James is looking at us and he's saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, before you start pointing fingers, right? but, but before you start to, to say it's this or it's that, there's a single source, a single source within us all that is the true cause, the true issue of our problems. And he says, do, do they not come from your hedonistic desires, from your, from your self-pursuits, your, the things that you want, that wage war in your bodily members fighting for control over you? In other words, isn't there an inner war inside of you between what you know is right and what it is that you want? And James is looking at you and he's saying, hey, hey, the problem that you have, where we need to start when it comes to the words of death, is looking on inside of you. That there's this urging, this, this pursuit of pleasure that you have in your heart, this pursuit of wholeness that you're looking for, for, that is the common enemy in us all. He's the common source. And he uses the word desire to define that, that in every single conflict, in every single case, that you have issues with somebody else or the people around you, it's because the conflict within you is creating conflict with those around you. And James is saying, bro, it's you. That there is this desire for more. That we could have the world and we could still always feel this nudging for just a little more, just a little more. There's this sense that something is missing, right? And the great theologian Bono said it best, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And there's a little bit of that in us all. So we keep chasing and pursuing empty things and we get worn down and then we begin to take that out on those around us and we begin to speak words of death to those around us because inside, if we were honest, it feels like we're losing ourselves, that there's a little bit of us dying inside and we don't know what it is, but we find ourselves pursuing more of everything around us to the point of conflict. 
Because the truth is that others cannot provide what it is that you're looking for. And, he can, and James continues in verse 2. He says, you are jealous and covet what others have, and your lust goes unfulfilled. That every time there's a battle, every time there's a conflict, whether that's you and your spouse, you and your kids, you and your parents, right, you and your dog, right, there is something that you want every time. And James is saying, look, that, that regardless of whether or not you actually deserve what it is that you're looking for, that's not the point. The point that he's trying to make is every time there's a conflict is because there's something that you're not getting. And then, he, and then he, James takes us a step further and he says, you are jealous and covet what others have and your lust goes unfulfilled, so you murder. Which you're like, whoa, bro, like a little heavy, a little much. But James is saying the things that you desire have caused you to kill with your words. Right? How many of you know that you can kill a relationship with words? How many of you know that you can kill a dream and you can kill somebody's hopes with the words that you speak? James is being a little extreme here, but his point is so valid that when it comes to our desires, we're willing to even hurt our own flesh and blood we're willing to cross lines that we shouldn't cross just to get what it is that we want. And, and we've all seen this, right? We've all seen this play out in somebody's life. Like we've, we've seen this on some level. We've seen words kill relationships. Families been split. Parents disowning their kids. Kids disowning their parents. All because somebody spoke death when they really just had a legitimate need that they didn't know how to speak it through life. And that's at the heart of all of us, that there's something that it is that we want someone or somebody to do or be or act. And when we don't get it, we find ourselves at odds with them, speaking words of death towards them. We attempt to kill. Like we, we've seen mothers who have had so high expectations of their little, their little girls that they've crushed their hearts and their spirits. We've seen parents who have had such high expectations of, of, their, of their sons and their daughters, that there's a, there's a sense of fear when it comes to their own parents because they can't meet up to their needs and, and, and to their dreams. We've seen the worst in people as it relates to their marriages and their relationships. All of that bound up in this desire and an expectation that wasn't being met and wasn't being reached. And the truth is, there's some of that that's happening in some of us in this room right now. Right? Most of us have a small battle with this every day. And it's causing us to strangle the life out of the relationships that are around us. You know, and, and, you, and I know a lot of us just kind of want, we want to defend it. You know, we, we want to say, but, but I, I know what's best for him or her, or, or I, I know... I know the direction they need to go, but James is saying, hold the phone, bro. Before you start pointing fingers, the truth is that it is your desires that are not being met that are the cause of so much fighting. And the reason that we hurt the people that are closest to us is because they're the ones that are closest to us. They're the ones that we do life with the most. 
And so they experience the brunt of our hurt and our pain. And whether or not you deserve what it is that you're looking for doesn't change that you're desiring something from them. And this whole time, James is saying, instead of saying it's them, it's them, it's them, you need to be looking inwards and saying, wait a minute, what if it's me? And, and, and what would happen in our lives if we would just own that one idea? What would happen if, if we just decided, you know what, it's really me not getting what I want? Let's come back to it. James says, you are jealous and covet what others have and your lust goes unfulfilled, so you murder. Again, why does there always seem to be a fight? Well, it's because you want something from someone that you are not getting. And so practically speaking, what would happen if we would begin to just take a breather before the fight would begin to just pause and recognize, wait a minute, what if I'm not getting what I want? How much of a game changer would that be? Before the argument began, what if you said, you know what, the problem here is me. I'm part of the problem. So let's practice something. Now, as a kid, you were taught in school to stop, drop, and roll. We're not going to do that. But let's practice something. I want everybody to get your hand. Get a hand, your favorite hand, right? Stop, point, and say, I'm not getting what I want. All right. Now, that, there, was a little, there wasn't a lot of energy in there, so now look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, you're not getting what you want. You see, it cracks me up when we go on to tell somebody something, there's more energy to it, isn't there? It just proves the point. Here's the thing. When we can recognize that it's not, that, that we're part of the problem, then it brings us back to what we talked about last week in Romans chapter 8, verse 5. And it says that those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit Think about the things that pleases the spirit. So, let your sinful so letting your sinful nature control your minds leads to what? Leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. That each of us has an opportunity for an advocate to help us in life. And that's God within us. That's his Holy Spirit. So now that we've taken the time to kind of just set up where this comes from and, and see that it's the man in the mirror that the words of life will begin to spring from, I just want to talk about the two types of words that I think impact us the most. And so the first one is a word called criticism. Everyone say criticism. Your criticism is a wish disguised. Okay, it's, it's a negative expression of a real need. Your unmet desires come out as criticism. Okay? And as men, this is especially true for us. Right? Dr. Uh, John Gottman kind of puts this in a different way. He says, criticism is, is an assault against your partner. It has the power to take peace from the relationship. It is designed to slay the other. Criticism is most often packaged in you always or you never statements, absolutes. And the implication is that the offending partner hasn't simply offended, but is actually offensive. 
And so we criticize aiming it at the person's character, not at their behavior. And not surprisingly, this kind of attack often triggers defensiveness and leads to a cycle of conflict that is hard to escape. So Gottman suggests replacing criticism with I statements, the most tried and true of marriage counseling cliches. But, but the problem is that this has to become this state of mind, right? You always and you never defer responsibility, which means that we have to learn to take ownership of our part of it, ownership of our brokenness, of what's going on on the inside. We need to stop and point and recognize, wait a minute, there's something going on with me that is causing the conflict around me. We need to own our selfish part, our self-interest. So I would recommend that instead of criticizing, we take an approach of critique. How do we do that? Let's start with this, uh, a verse in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now, before you're like, come on, man, you're telling me I can't complain, bro? No, man, I'm saying Paul is trying to tell us that there is a way to go about it that matters. And that you should never start the conversation with what it is that you want or you desire. That it should always start with them for their better interests, for what they need. And he's telling us, look, speak words of life to help build them up, build others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. It's not about us. It's not about our selfishness, our self-interest, our brokenness. And by unwholesome language, he's talking about things that are going to tear them down. So I, just, I kind of want to just give us, put this into context. There's a difference between criticism and critique in the context of our relationship. So let's take a look at that. And they're going to have a slide up here on the screen. So criticism is life-taking. It's focused on them. It tears others down. Criticism is always looking for faults. It comes with a negative theme. It's spoken with cruel wit and a sarcastic tongue. But critique, it's life-giving. It's, it's focused on, on us. It looks to build us up, to rebuild what was broken. It's positive. It's spoken with love, kind and honest words. But what happens is that if we leave our criticism unchecked, criticism will then become words of contempt. And this is where we speak words of destruction. So we're trying to blow things up. And there's kind of this slight misconception about contempt because most of the time we just associate it to I hate but it's something much deeper, something much more insidious. Contempt is saying, I'm better than you, that I deserve better than you. And so you use words that are final wound words, like I want a divorce, or this relationship is over. Contempt 
is saying, I don't respect you. And in fact, I'm actively going to disrespect you. And I'm going to crush you in the process of pursuing what it is that I deserve. If betrayal is a question of trust, then contempt is a question of of respect. So instead of pursuing love and speaking life, our our criticism becomes this conquest of contempt built on publicly and privately destroying others around us. And this is where we usually find ourselves at a point of no return. People who, who build bridges talk so bad about people that, that, they, that they've completely slandered them in the, in the eyes of everyone in their sphere of influence. And the only chance of ever, of ever having reconciliation is usually requiring a supernatural event taking place in our hearts. Because complaining and contempt can be the crutches that we stand on when we pursue the desires of our heart and we begin to speak those words with our big fat mouth. So what do we do about it? The psalmist gives us an easy answer. Psalms chapter 141, verses three through four. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not let my heart be drawn to what is evil, to take part in the wicked deeds with men who are evil doers. Step one's easy. It's pray. God, set guard over my mouth. Help me to contain the words of death that are trying to come out of me. This goes back to leaning into the Holy Spirit within us, asking God, I need you to help me, and leaning into him when it feels like it's too much to bear. Step two, we need to reverse the curse. If you know that you've used words to harm your wife or your kids, a friend, a relationship, You owe it to them to reverse the curse, to say, I'm sorry, and to bless them and to speak words of life to them, to ask for forgiveness. Who who do you need to call today? Who do you need to write a letter to? I want to pray over you guys. Can we just bow our heads? Heavenly Father, we just stand before you today. God, some of us trying to make sense of our world, sense of kind of how we speak. We're taking inventory of what's in our hearts and in our minds, God, and of the words that we've maybe spoken in this last week. And God, I ask right now that you would just put a finger, God, in every one of our hearts in that area of our life, God, we've allowed that pursuit to bring some negativity and some death into our lives. God, I ask that you would help us to recognize that there is a part of us, that there's a need that is not being met. And that we would own that for ourselves and say, you know what, I'm not going to let that take lead in my life. And that we would ask God that you would just help us to be life-giving in our relationships with the words that we speak, that we would look to 
build others up and not tear them down. God, that you would just take that criticism and, and the contempt that we might have towards somebody out of our heart. God, help us to be life, to speak life, to love others like you love them, to find legitimate ways, God, to meet the real needs that we have and to be willing to talk about that openly and honestly with those that we need to have that conversation with. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's what I want you to do this week. If that was you today, okay, I've got some little Mountain Dews. And this is what I want you to do. This is kind of dumb, but I'm stealing it from somebody because it was really smart. This week, you need to do the do. Okay, whatever do that is for you, whether that's telling somebody you're sorry, writing them a letter, whatever your do is, they're going to put these across the front here today. They're not going to hand them out. They're going to put them across the front. And if that was you, come and grab one. Afterwards, not now. But know that you need to do the do. Who is it that you need to take action for this week? Who, do you, who have you harmed? Who do you need to speak words of life to? Who do you need to make things right with? Do the do. God bless.